Welcome to another episode of The Plant Podcast, the number one podcast focused on emerging industrial thin client technology and manufacturing visualization. My name is Brian. The Plant is brought to you by Thin Manager Software, the global leader in thin client management and industrial mobility solutions. Thin Manager is a Rockwell automation technology. We're celebrating four years of making this podcast, and that is truly exciting. We've had many great guests on the show, and for all our subscribers, thank you. Factory automation and production in general has been around for a long time, but as our world evolves and grows, the tools, practices, and people must also change and adapt, and that's what we're all about. I'm pretty excited about our guest today. It is a little strange that he hasn't been on the show before. Todd Garman is a commercial engineer at Rockwell Automation and the Thin Manager team. He has helped to facilitate the integration and use of Thin Manager in almost countless customer installs. He knows intimately the challenges faced from the system integrators down to the end user when using and learning Thin Manager. Also joining me today to talk to Todd is Tom Jordan, the marketing lead at Rockwell Automation for the Thin Manager team. Welcome to another episode of The Plan. I'm joined today by Todd Garman, commercial engineer at Rockwell Automation and longtime member of our Thin Manager team, as well as Tom Jordan, marketing lead at Rockwell Automation and Thin Manager. All right, so Todd, getting going as I, I get everybody to do, um, tell us a little bit about like your history and how you know you got to where you are with Thin Manager and career and all that kind of stuff. Give us a little background. Sure. Um, well, I mean, it's kind of weird. Uh, I wasn't even looking for a job at the time uh, with anything in automation or whatever. I was looking for work, but I would, prior to even joining the Thin Manager team, uh, my whole background was more on the commercial front, doing uh, data center migrations, disaster recovery kind of things and that kind of stuff. And then ended up meeting Matt, uh, because our kids were in a, a musical together and next thing you know i'm interviewing with tom and getting a job at the manager but uh no it's 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 been a really cool ride i, I didn't really know much in the way of in the industrial automation side because like i say most of my background was more from a, a commercial front and those kind of things but um when i saw and came in and, and actually saw the product, what the manager was, I was really shocked and kind of surprised because I saw a lot of applications where I could have already used it in some of the banking industry and things like that, that I was involved in. So I thought it was a really cool product. And so that was back in 2010. So I've been with uh, the manager since 2010. Um, uh, and, and, you know, as far as the job and the role and those kind of things, it's, it's morphed a lot over time. But uh, it's definitely been a fun ride to kind of to see the growth that's happening. Because at that point in time, when I came on, we were just uh, launching 4.0, you know, through, you know, so I, I'm still trying to understand the differences between version 3.3 and 4.0 and uh, all those kind of things. And uh, so it, it was, it was, it, you know, to see where it, it is now compared to where it was back then. Um, it's an, it's a huge difference between the two, just as far as the number of features and capabilities and those kind of things. But, uh, uh, it, it definitely was a, a different 
jump going from what I had been doing into this, but been a fun ride. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. You know, I started, we were on version six when I started and I, f- I feel like it's come so long. And so when you look at version three and four, um, I'm sure it's, it's even farther. And I, I feel like you have an interesting background here just cause you've been in, in more than one department within the team. You know, you've done some marketing and you've worked with partners and you've done training and, you know, commercial engineering and a lot of demonstrations. So you, you've kind of have worn a lot of hats within, yep. within the crew. That I have. Well, um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so now, now you're in commercial engineering and, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, for, for their information and education, Todd does a lot of uh, training, demonstrating, uh, you know, actual customer setup and troubleshooting. Um, so just while you've been in commercial engineering, like how, how has it changed as far as job function and what all does it entail? Well, I mean, as far as the, the job itself, it's, it's all of those things that, that you just mentioned. Um, but as far as what it's changed, I think the, when, from where I first started to where we are now, um, you kind of have to put the hat on of, you know, when I, when I say when I first started, when I'm talking about the, the, the role of commercial engineer, um, that all kind of came around with the acquisition, right. Um, of Rockwell acquiring the manager. Um, so in the very beginning, a lot of our time was really spent just trying to educate our own workforce within Rockwell about what Sim manager is and what it can do um and then continue to to morph into what things we had already been doing as you know acp back in the day of training systems integrators and distributors and stuff like that so but in the very beginning it was really just more of that focus on trying to make sure that people within our own organization knew what the manager was and getting them to be evangelist if you will or at least getting that mind share out to those that didn't know as much about it. Um, so in the very beginning, I was, I was spending a lot of time in a lot of different places. You know, some, some of it was overseas, uh, and over in EMEA and other places. And, you know, the rest of it was here in the U S or Canada or down in Latin America. So it's, it's definitely, uh, been an, a fun ride, uh, and an interesting one to say the least, as far as, uh, that part's concerned. But, uh, but a lot of what we do in the commercial engineering team is more, generally pre-sales and our focus uh, and working with customers or working with other uh, colleagues within the Rockwell organization or distributors trying to, to help, you know, bring about, you know, some kind of uh, a, a happy ending to a, a sale and what those kind of things when we're trying to kind of go in there and set things up for success, you know, asking, you know, the customers, you know, certain questions to kind of figure out what they're trying to, what problems they're trying to solve and find out whether the manager fits that bill or not. And more often than not that, you know, of course, obviously I can see how, how it will and will it, where it can, but at the same time, you know, uh, the truth is the manager is not always the right fit for everybody. So it, it's, we, we're going to be, I think when you look at us as a whole, we're always going to be a, a product that, uh, really stands out for what it is. Um, but there are times where we're not the thing that somebody needs. And, and I think that also adds to the credibility for us when we can tell someone that, you know, what you're looking for 
while we can do a lot of things, it's not going to really cover exactly what you want to do. And the times where that happens is so far and few between, it, it's really not that big of a deal, really. Um, yeah, I, th I think it probably gives a lot of you know credibility if you tell somebody that it's not the right solution for their individual setup at their company or whatever, then down the line, you know, that that credibility, that honesty probably uh, you know, comes back if they change their infrastructure or something like that, you know, that they, they definitely believe what you're telling them at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're not just simply saying something to try to get money from them, right? You're, you're looking out for their best interest too, not just your own bottom line. So it, it does add to that credibility. But yeah. you know, like I say, the, the times that that has happened has been very few and far between. And, and to your point, exactly. We've actually had some that based off of what we've told them, they went, okay, well, we're going to go back and change what we're doing because we like all of these benefits and all these other things that we that originally drew us to the manager and why we wanted to take advantage of it. But we, you know, but the way our infrastructure was, it really wasn't going to be able to do it at first. Now we can, we're going to go making these, we're going to go make these changes so that we can utilize it. So it's, it's, I think there's a lot of validity in the fact of just being honest with people um, and not over promising or overselling. But at the same time, you know, I, I do get the desire and I, and I do like the fact in the commercial engineering side of things that we do get to, you know, talk to customers and they'll, they'll bring up things that they want, challenges they're facing, whatever. And we get to go talk to the development team and say, Hey, is this a possibility? Can we, could we make a change or could we add something to the manager or change the way this functions to accommodate this request? Um, and I think that's one of the things I do enjoy a lot is being able to work with the dev, the dev team as a whole um, and having that kind of uh, role and working as a liaison, if you will, between the customer and, and the development team to kind of ask those questions because it's a lot of fun in that respect. Todd, this this is Tom. Um, when it comes to that success, when it, when a customer does latch on to Thin Manager and, and make it part of their strategic um, plans uh, for expansion or scaling up or whatnot. Are there any things, uh, any pieces of functionality or specific aspects of the platform that that tend to come up more than others that that drive those decisions? Uh, I probably would say more often than not, it's the. I'm going to use it in a very generic way: the ease of use of what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, the the thin client replacement, the ease of ability to replace that device. You know, in a really quick order, um, where you can, you know, if, if a device, a thin client, were to die, you can replace it within a couple of minutes. That's still a huge selling point. The way we do our high availability with failover and instant failover, those are still big, you know, reasons for people to want to do anything with Thin Manager. Um, you know, so when you look, what's interesting is even with all the new things that the manager has added, there's still the, these these very grounded uh, features that we've had for quite some time that still draw people in the most. It's not always the new, cool, you know, sexy, cool, great features that we throw out there. Right. Uh, and it's not that they don't have any value. It's just it's really interesting. Those things that we have that are these new features people still look back to the, what, what's always been the, the staple parts of, of Thin Manager, And that's what really kind of catches their eye. Yeah. Reduced downtime, centralized yeah. management, those kind of things. Exactly. So, you know, now like even with, you know, containerized out, you know, 
methodology that we can do that, you know, that's very specific for some people and what their needs are and how that might want to fit a need. But still at the end of the day, they're looking for how easy can they configure a thin client? How quickly could they make a change to a configuration? The fact that they don't have to walk out to the plant floor to even affect that change, they can actually restart that device remotely from the thin manager console. They don't have to go out on the plant floor, you know, whatever. It's just that those staple features that we've had for so long mean still probably the most to a lot of our customers, if not all of them. Indeed. And I would think the remote capabilities uh, have come in quite handy during COVID because you know, let's face it, we've all had to make some adjustments in our workspaces. Um, and I'm sure our customers find it quite handy to be able to duplicate a configuration or you know have some information appear uh, at a terminal that it previously was not at uh, to allow for that distancing or whatnot that they may have to implement on their plant floor. No, you're absolutely right. We've had more conversations in the past year um, about just remote access to a thin manager system. You know, there's because of the fact that they're they're needing that ability to manage the environment remotely, even more so. When I say remote, I don't mean in a traditional sense of what we might be thinking, remotely managing a thin client and the fact that you're maybe a, a supervisor administrator sitting in the control room and you're managing something that's out on the plant floor. When I'm talking remote, and I think what you're saying too, is now you're sitting at home yes. and you're trying to find that way of getting in and what you can do and everything else. And can Thimiter still be a part of that? And while Thimiter doesn't have that direct, you know, uh, remote connection, so to speak, as like, we, it's like not, we have a web-based you know, a tool or anything like that at the moment or anything, but you know, people are still wanting to know, well, how do I do this? And is this still a function? And it's like, well, there are certain things you can do. I mean, you could put thin manager on your local device and then, you know, point to it once you get connected over a VPN into your network and things like that. Assuming once again, you've got all of the right things in place, ports, DCOM, all those things are set up properly. Then yes, you could do it that way. But more often than not, I'm just telling people just, just remote desktop into the actual server where Thimager is hosted, make the changes there, and then you, you still have the visibility to everything you need to see at that point in time. Um, but uh, because of how things have changed so much uh, over the past couple of years, it definitely is much more of a conversation piece. And we have people that are actually getting content. They're looking for content to, to obtain that's not locally. Uh, derived content. It's coming from other sources in different locations. Uh, so it's it's definitely changed how people are using the manager and what they're looking for in the way of seeing things on a thin client compared to years past. It's interesting, you know, we in the Viz Roadshows we've been doing, there's been a lot of conversation about um, IT and OT convergence. Um, over the years that you've been working with Thin Manager, have you seen uh, any type of uh, title changes between how OT and IT work together and how Thin Manager kind of plays into that? Does it does it help uh, that relationship between OT and IT or does it make it more challenging? I think it helps um, as far as just the direct ITOT relationship because it does give both parties a way of understanding the needs of the other if they're willing to look at it that way right um but but to your earlier point it and ot they're, they're you know the convergence if you will that's happening and it's it's definitely there the conversations that now we get 
that we're having with customers, more often than not, IT is definitely involved. Whereas if you look back, I don't know, even six years ago, most of the initial conversations we would have, or maybe even the only conversations we would ever have, were simply OT related. And you know, we didn't we didn't really talk a ton with IT because generally what we would hear from the perspective of the OT uh, personnel would be like, well, I'm just going to have my IT guy spin up my image, but I'm managing it from that point forward. Well, now that's completely shifted and maybe not for all of the customers are out there, but you see a big shift where now IT definitely is a part of the whole entire process because they're looking at all of the different security aspects, cybersecurity, you know, those kind of things, access. They're just much more heavily involved than they were in the past. So there's a lot more in the way of conversation. And I still try to encourage when I'm having the conversations, primarily because of my vast experience that I had working with customers and things. I try to encourage the IT sector to treat the, their OT colleagues as their customers, right? Because that's ultimately what they are in any shape, form, or fashion. They're, they're another group of people that they're trying to enable, you know, success with what they're doing. Well said. And, and, and that's, that's their job. So, you know, and sometimes IT gets a bad rap for, you know, people just think they're trying to control. And I can understand where that does come from because they are trying to control, but it's not meant to be done in a, uh, I think if you talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, you, you know and realize they're not doing it to just really control you. They're doing it to safeguard the data, the intellectual property, all those kind of things. They're doing it from that perspective. And sometimes that's, I think, where sometimes the that oil and water-ish kind of uh, environment sometimes can play in is because they don't always understand on either side what the needs are and why, and that's where it takes that communication. But I would definitely say it's it's significantly better than it was. Um, there's not the same separation that there had been, but there is a lot of there still is a good bit of learning curve that's out there because there are a number of different organizations where their IT department still don't completely understand what the OT environment is and, and, and they haven't done enough, you know, internal investigation sometimes to understand what those needs are, but you can tell when they have, because you, when, when they have, they are, they're 100% in, in lockstep together that, you know, you, you, you hear the, those IT people, they're asking their OT counterparts, Hey, does this work for you? And then vice versa, you hear the OT guy saying, does this meet our security needs? You, there's a lot more collaborative conversation now than what there had been, where it was kind of like, you know, this very separation of church and state kind of thought process almost. Right. Fantastic. We, <clears throat> excuse me. Are, are we seeing more like from a training standpoint, do you see more IT people getting trained on ThinMage or going through certification trainings or roadshows and stuff um, as opposed to just SIs and just, you know, product sales? Are we seeing more, you know, more more network administration and stuff like that actually learning about ThinMage than we used to? Uh, there's probably a little bit of an uptick, but I would have to be honest and say that most of the people that we still and the training offerings that we have are generally going to be more SI focused. Um, that's the majority of what we train is SIs. Um, and the other uh, landscape as far as, you know, distribution and those kind of things, but, you know, specifically with customers, if you look at a customer base, 
and if we're doing something specifically for them, it, more often than not, the larger percentage of the people that are going to be getting trained are going to be from that OT landscape, if you will. And you might have, uh, let's say if of a group of 10, you might have 10 to 20% of that that's representing it from an IT perspective. Um, so they generally aren't being trained a whole lot. Because you. if you if you think about it, STEM manager still at the core of what it is, is still a very OT centric solution. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for IT to understand and learn, but probably most of the IT guys, when they get in there and they see what's going on, it doesn't take a whole lot for them to grasp the concepts and they're not needing to interface with it daily. Mm -hmm. They just need to know what ports do I need to have open? How is this communicating from one place to the other? Can we use RD gateway? Can we do, you know, they're just asking all of these different uh, questions from a security and, and data flow scenario, scenario. But since the manager is generally going to be used more from your OT perspective, and that's where the hands-on day-to-day is, that's generally probably where most of your training takes place is from that perspective, um, from the actual customer side of things. But more often than not, most of our training is empowering and helping those systems integrators learn more about thin manager and whatnot in our system integrator program. And I think you guys can speak to this even more so than I can, but uh, just cause you probably see the numbers more readily than I do, but the system integrator grow program has continued to, you know, grow and grow and grow over the past number of years. So um, I would say it's probably where a large percentage comes from right now. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, as more and more people are using disparate systems and trying to get more and more analytics and, and outside content, like how much, that has changed having to, I don't know, I guess, I guess open things up while still keeping it secure. I, I guess I would think that IT would be getting more and more involved, but with a, a well-trained system integrator that probably, you know, offsets that a bit as well. Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the people within the certain organizations with their IT don't get involved and don't, that aren't, they are definitely a part of a lot of the conversations in the very beginning. But once the rubber meets the road and, you know, the systems are turned on and they're actually starting to function, generally the most you start hearing from the IT people at that point in time is if there's a technical issue or reason why something isn't functioning the way they, you know, they need it to, um, mm -hmm. or they're having high bandwidth utilization or something along those lines. It's generally not so much specifically, um, related to configuring and utilizing Thin Manager, but just making sure that the content that Thin Manager is trying to uh, make sure is accessible for a Thin client that, you know, we're, we're defining these, you know, display clients for this terminal to actually use, just need to make sure that that communication path is open, you know, in that two-way street that it needs to be or whatever to be able to get that content. Um, so in that respect, that's generally where you see them kind of coming back and re-engaging and maybe asking a few more questions, but they're generally not the ones that are configuring anything. They're just generally ones in the background playing that supporting role and, and, right. and helping the process. And they do maintain the, the security of the, the users in the network. And we just simply sync Correct. Um, with that active directory. So that, that's, that's one great thing about it. It's like you said earlier, uh, we give ways for IT to get involved at the level they need to be and have the understanding that they need to have 
Uh, and then at that point, the, the Active Directory syncing and whatnot uh, goes a long way toward them feeling like, okay, this can this can be handled now by OT and we've done our part. And unless something changes, this should be good to go. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think because we have continued, if you look at some of the development that, that the development team has done within the ThinManager product itself over the past few years, you can point to a number of different things that are the underpinnings of ThinManager, if you will, the, the background stuff, the stuff that as a customer, you don't look at it as being this really cool feature, but there's a lot of those pieces and components that we've done in the background that are much more IT centric um, than they had been in the past. Specifically, just like what you talked about, Tom, that AD synchronization, right? Mm -hmm. um, the ability that we have now to be able to, you know, get content and, you know, work with RD gateway, um, desktop gateway, those kind of things. Those are things in the past that we didn't do, but at, at the request of certain customers and their IT uh, personnel, because of the security that they wanted to implement, you know, there's a lot of those things that became more mainstream for us to discuss and, and put in, as features or capabilities for ThinManager to do. So if you look at even our development, our development and what we've done has been merging those two environments and trying to make sure that everybody can work happily together. Because at the end of the day, it's it's the customer's got to be able to maintain their intellectual property, manage and create the product that they're doing that all while maintaining that security overall. Indeed. Well, so Todd, let me ask you this. You know, you, you talk about like uh, talking with customers when they're originally talking about implementing a ThinManager setup. You know, if somebody, you know, ThinManager is one of those things that's like you got to see it to believe it. And obviously there's different uh, options during the year to see ThinManager demonstrated. But if, if anybody's listening who, you know, wants to see Thin Manager and have it demonstrated and kind of start those conversations. Where where would they where do they start? Well, the first place I would tell them to go is to their local distributor. Um, most of the distributors, uh, if not all of them, they should have what are called Mister Demo Kits, and that allows our distributors out there to actually demonstrate the product themselves if they want to and whatnot. But let's say that let's say the uh, the main sales contact that they have at that distributor doesn't have access to that demo kit at that point in time. Um, obviously, they can always reach out to one of our sales resources, such as Keith or Jamie and those kind of things. And, and even beyond that, if they're not able to help, we have the ability within you know, our business unit. As you guys know, we have our webinar room and we can do demos from there too. But it, it, it does perform better, if you ask me to be able to do a demo in person with someone versus the web. Um, mm -hmm. But even doing it via the web is still better than just talking about PowerPoint slides and whatnot. So anytime you can actually get to see the product, as you said earlier, seeing is believing, you know, it's kind of seeing, you know, seeing the manager in action just opens your eyes so much more than, than just simply talking about it. Cause when you're talking about it, you, you can get lost in the, the technical words that you hear and sometimes it, things don't click, but the minute you start seeing it in action, 
it's amazing how quickly the gears start spinning in people's minds. I mean, when I recently had the opportunity to do a, a, an in-person demo for the first time in probably almost a year or more uh, for a customer here, um, it was fun because I got to watch their faces, right? And that's the part I think that's kind of cool is when you're doing that and you're engaging with them, they're asking those questions, you can see when things start clicking and, and then they start becoming more invested in what they're seeing and asking more and can it do this? And if I wanted to do this, can I also do it? So it just, it opens up that conversation and that's what you want it to do. Um, because there's so many things under the hood of the manager that even when we do our standard you know, kind of scripted demonstration, which still probably takes about an hour to an hour and a half to really accomplish to do those things. We barely scratched the surface of them manager and what all it can do. Um, so I, I love the, the ability to be able to do an in-person demonstration anytime we possibly can. Um, but obviously within our team of commercial engineers, there's no way we can be all over the country doing those kind of things. So that's where we really have to rely on our distri distributors out there to be able to to do that. And like I say, they have access to the Mr. Demo kits. Um, and, you know, beyond that, uh, like I say, we have the ability to do webinars and, and things like that too. So there's there's a lot of opportunity then for them to be able to see uh, a demo of the manager. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and I know we've, we've all been working hard to kind of increase the videos that are out there for people to see specific features and all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, an actual demo video is, is lengthy. So it's, yeah. it's much easier to see and ask questions in person. And yeah, uh, cause you know, when you're, when you're doing it, it just as a kind of, I want to call it completely abstract, but when you're sitting there just talking and you're just going through the motion, unless the customer really feels comfortable or not, and it really does. And so I try to encourage them to ask questions, even interrupt me when I'm doing them, because I'd rather keep it, you know, engaging and, and not just a one way street. Um, but if there's something different sometimes about being in person, I don't know what it is, but they'll see something. They watch me, they watch my hands doing certain things while they're seeing the screen changing and it, it clicks differently sometimes than when you're just doing it over the web. Um, not that, that's not to say that the web can't still be a very valuable you know, delivery mechanism of a demo, but I still think just an in-person demo far surpasses that. If at yeah, all no, possible. I get that. And, and I've watched, you know, I think even with, um, you know, uh, uh, rock live, you know, I watched your demonstration and it's, it's a great demonstration, you know, don't get me wrong, but if you're, if you're able to ask the questions and be there in person, obviously you can uh, start to see your own installation and your own, you know, needs much, much easier. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah let, so let me ask you just, um, you know, like uh, stories from Todd, uh, like what, uh, <laughs> as far as installations and stuff go, uh, what about like terminal count? What's the biggest installation you've been part of? Uh, well, me personally being part of or trying to help support in the background, those kind of things, probably somewhere around, I think it's probably 1,500 to 1,600 thin clients. Wow. So, yeah, not not a small one. <laughs> not too shabby. I, I'd be interested to actually like look at the thin manager interface when you're running 1,500. You don't want to look at it. It's a lot to look at. <laughs> it's a, I, I just see like a lot of groups, you know, because without the groups. It's the only way to manage it now. And think about this. They were a customer prior to us having groups. 
I was going to say, yeah. So imagine trying to scroll through that list of terminals before grouping became a possibility. And the trees just forever long. Oh Um, my gosh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're probably one of the largest, uh, we have a lot of other, it's really interesting. You know, you get to, when you look at the thin manager installs, a lot of people will go, well, you know, what's your standard size install? Well, that's kind of changed a lot over the course of years, but you know, we used to always say between five and 10 would be a pretty standard scenario. But then when you have to look at that, it's not always just five and 10 period and you're done. It's like five and five to 10 of those over hundreds of locations, or maybe at a location, maybe they have a number of different thin servers stood up and they have five to 10 that are being managed. And that facility as a whole, just like, let's think about a, uh, a steel mill or something like that. They've got a lot of different disparate areas, but they still want to use the manager in each one of those environments. So they're still managing a number of different devices, you know, overall within that, larger plant location when you look at who they are, but maybe each system smaller, but it's a, it's a, you really kind of have to dissect when you ask somebody or talk about total count. Is that from one server? Is that from multiple servers? You know, what is it? Um, yeah, but you know, that the great thing about how we do licensing now is it gives customers tons of opportunity now to, to really hone down how they want to do things. That's pretty neat. Well, you know, from a, I guess, a location standpoint, and you talk about global installs, like what's, how many locations have you come across that a customer has, like within, you know, one total thin manager install? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I can give you an easy number. Um, There are dozens. Oh, yeah. Easily dozens. Um, there's certain customers that have, you know, just within the U.S. alone, they probably have, you know, 10 or 15 different locations. And that's not even talking global. Then you get over to EMEA, EMEA Asia Pac, whatever, and, and it just keeps, you know, growing and growing and growing. So we get certain customers that, you know, it's not uncommon because we're here in the U.S. for us to start working with the customer here in the U.S. first. And it kind of gets everything moving and then they decide they want to roll this out globally right so then that that becomes a a standardized uh software that they're going to use across all of their facilities so depending upon you know the customer you know they may have 10 or 15 different plants here in the u.s but then you look at you know what they may have over an EMEA or an asia pack whatever it may be and they're you know you're now talking another 40 or 50 different locations um so it can expand really quickly once yeah. people start decide you know once they decide that they want to standardize on utilizing thin manager so um that's and and that even presents its own challenges too just because you know you've got just different in the past the way some of these places operated uh, they kind of made their own decisions and did their own things. And now globally, you're now saying, well, this is now what you're going to do. So now you have to train all of those people to do something that they never really intended on doing to begin with, because now it's from a corporate standpoint, this is what we're going to do. It's basically an edict that has come down and said, this is now how we're going to do our processes. So um, that we do end up engaging a lot of training with that kind of stuff too. 
uh, kind of yeah. wrapping back to some of that training discussion, that's where some of that kind of stuff comes back in is when there is a global deployment. Um, yeah, I can so. see that too, you know, depending on just within the manager, how you want to organize and group and, and kind of do your interface. There's probably a few different ways that people could do it that, you know, d different strokes for different folks as far as how they, they do an entire global installation like that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, you know, it, it just, there's a lot of, and I guess what I'm saying is when I was kind of getting at some of the challenges is the way certain processes are done, maybe in one region, they have to make sure that how those things are done in one region don't, if any changes they make, they don't want to do anything that now changes the workflow or how they've been doing things in another region, just because of some of the differences in how they've gone about doing things. And it could be, it could be specific based off of, you know, just that plant location and the, the facility itself and the capabilities it has uh, may, may make that location have to go about doing things uh, when, and from a setup standpoint, a little bit different than another location and just the overall process. So um, for example, one of the customers we have uh, you know, for a long time, they were having some, some ways they were trying to do things in a portrait mode and they were wanting to uh, get certain dashboards to be presented the way they want them presented. Now we've come some other ways to do that and improve upon that for them. And so those kind of things are going to get passed across everything globally, but some of these other locations globally weren't even using that. So this is going to be a new thing for them, not an improvement, just something completely new. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes some of the things that we do and some of the things that get suggested based off of one methodology end up becoming a benefit for someone else later on. But then that can also be just the, you know, the converse of that. It could be something we didn't anticipate on the opposite end because we weren't originally working with that other plant. So then we have to kind of go back and make sure that we've, we've covered all of those things. So that's why it's really important in the very beginning that there's a lot of those site surveys that are kind of done. What's the equipment that's actually being used? What are the processes that are being done? You know, does this line up with everything else we've already done? Or are there any, you know, little one-offs or nuances at this location or that location that we need to take into consideration before rolling this out. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I could see that and with, with a lot of projects, you know, get all the information up front because it's much easier to do it to start than try to <laughs> implement later and change. So, yep. And inevitably occasionally you'll get one or two here and there that, you know, something gets left out because it's so obscure people know about it but don't think about it and right. so you know that right. can happen but it's not that often but it does happen so before i let you go um you know you talked a little bit about training uh you know just for people listening like if if i guess what are some of the different avenues people can go to start i mean we talked about seeing thin manager but if they want to start learning thin manager what do you think's a a good way to get started and, and then maybe even get more advanced with what you know well, I mean, we have a number of different offerings, obviously, um, within our environment of what we can do. Yeah, there's, you know, from a customer base, we've been uh, offering for the past little while the ability for customers to to do a, what's called a two-hour basic training, if you will. And it just allows them to kind of get their feet wet in the product. It's it's all web-based. Um, it's, it's all in the cloud. Um, that's one methodology from a 
you know, customer standpoint. But if the customers are wanting to do more than that, there is the ability for them to actually engage a resource and potentially have someone come on site or them go to a distributor location and get trained in that respect. Um, but let's say you're not a let's say you're not a, a customer, meaning and when I say customer, I mean end user. So let me be very specific because different people use the word customer a little loosely or a little bit more from their viewpoint. But uh, but like, let's say you're a systems integrator. Um, uh, once again, we have a lot of those uh, similar kind of offerings. We do things in conjunction with our distributors where we can offer systems integration training uh, where they're kind of hosting and, and inviting a number of the systems integrators in their area to come participate in the training. Still at this point in time, we're doing these all cloud-based. Um, we have an Amazon uh, web services environment that we do all of our uh, cloud-based trainings through. And once again, we have a completely different uh, lab environment for them than we might do or use for an end user um, uh, and those kind of things. So uh, we have those offerings that are out there. Um, but let's say a customer was wanting to get more than just the two hour, like I say, there are our opportunities there. We do, and if, if a customer wants to, we have lab manuals um, that we could give to them. Uh, and it would basically just give them a ability to kind of, if they want to somewhat recreate what we've done. The hard part is, is we've already created all of the, the actual operating systems, you know, the virtual machines for our lab environment that they would have to try to recreate themselves. So unless they're really tech savvy, that might be a little bit of a challenge um, right. for some customers, but uh, that is another way of doing it. Obviously our, our user's manuals, it, although it's a gazillion pages long, was it six or 700 pages? I don't remember how many <laughs> yeah. pages it is. It's a lot, but it is very good. I mean, it's a really good thorough way of going through things and setting things up. Um, but if I were to you know make recommendations as far as depending upon who we're talking about, you know, if we're talking systems integrators, like I say, there's a lot of different ways they can do it through the different distribution channels that we have. We have distributors basically sign up for certain time slots. They offer it to those areas and trying to get people in there. We also have the ability uh, to do it, you know, where we could host it ourselves for somebody. You know, we do that somewhat with uh, our friends down in Latin America. They will get a certain region kind of like a distributor would here in the States, but, um, it's actually the uh, Rockwell channel itself down there, the actual business units down there. They will actually get those people together and we'll get a team together. But even if somebody uh, doesn't see something on our calendar um, or whatnot, they can always reach out you know, to us and say, hey, is there an opportunity that we could get trained or I'm looking to get trained, whether this is customer or systems integrator, and we can help find a solution for them. Um, whether that's through the distribution channel that's already currently out there or through one of our partners um, or even potentially directly with us. It just would depend upon when, you know, resources, all those kind of things as to how we might be able to do that kind of stuff. But uh, um, those are a number of different ways we have. Right. And I mean, pre-pandemic, I know we did a lot more in-house training and, and face-to-face stuff. And, and maybe, you know, hopefully we'll get back to that. Um, yeah, there, there's some changes that are that are taking place that might allow for some of those kind of things. But, you know, we've, we've kind of kind of worked through some of the safety guidelines that are out there for everyone to make sure that uh, those things get presented in a way that both are uh, agreeable to whether it's an end user or the SIs or whatever to make sure that they feel confident and comfortable in the environment that we have. So the, the web based training is still a really it's unlike in person. 
I still kind of like doing in-person in demos. I think in-person training still is far superior to web-based training, but the web-based training is still much better in that cloud environment than somebody just trying to take a manual and figure it out on their own. Yeah, it's probably a lot more, you know, a lot more daunting just to dig through those, like we said, multi-hundred page manual and try to figure everything out than having somebody <laughs> show it to you. And I was going to mention for our listeners, you know, uh, if you go to the contact page at themadra.com, we actually have Todd's contact information listed and, and you know, you can, you can actually email him or, or bug him. He, he doesn't really do that much. So yeah, he's, he's happy <laughs> yeah, to, do to have you know him because he's not really. I, I apparently don't do much because I'm talking to you guys right now. So. <laughs> You're spending an hour of your day just, just talking. So it's kind of like doing a demo only, you know, probably less fruitful. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Todd, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I think it was a long time coming and, and you're always very, very insightful and know the product better than, well, just about anybody. So thank you very much. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks. Anytime. Appreciate it. Tom, do you have any uh, final questions or anything you want to ask Todd before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I'm good. I think uh, it'd be worth mentioning uh, that uh, there is the self-paced training out there as well that uh, a lot of the SIs uh, can do. And it, it's, of course, been you know more popular uh, during these uh, challenging times of physical distancing and whatnot and people not being able to travel uh, to the kind of trainings that we, we talked about today that we'd normally like to do. Uh, you know, so just, just to let everybody know there are options out there, uh, just go to thinmanager.com slash training. You can uh, see what's available and uh, find links into our partner portal and things like that. So I just encourage everybody to engage with us online uh, if they need more information. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Todd, I'll let you go and uh, we'll, we'll do it again soon. Sounds good. See you guys. Thanks, Todd. If you like this episode, please click the subscribe button and subscribe to The Plant for a discussion on emerging automation technologies. For more information on Thin Manager, please visit thinmanager.com from any of your devices. I'm your host, Brian Harned, and we hope you can join us next time on The Plant.